Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan. We are FaceTiming each other once again, safely separate in our own homes. I hope you are doing the same, and we'll get back to normal sooner than later. All right, I want to shout out our longtime sponsor, Radar Toys, right here in Eugene. You can shop online, get free shipping in the U.S., and then save 10% with the code BATFANPOD. Go to RadarToys.com, and their lobby is now back open, from what I hear. We're going to do a 1980s classic, The Demise of Jason Todd. This is A Death in the Family. Shall we dive in? Yeah. Nobody take a piss this time. Uh, if I do, I'll mute it because Amber showed me how to. Oh, you got some papers to ruffle around there real quick? What are you making origami? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. 1988, A Death in the Family. Written by Jim Starlin. Penciled by Jim Aparo. Inked by Mike DiCarlo. Colored by Adrian Roy and lettered by John Costanza. This is a book that I feel like everybody knows about. Jason Todd and what happened to him is the most significant thing about him, really. There have been other stories later that draw on this, but I feel like it's not a book specifically that gets talked about a lot, even though it's so ingrained in the mythos of Batman. So I kind of just wanted to go back and uh, dive into something that doesn't get talked about quite as much. So I have a starting question. What's that? Where does this fit in with year one? Is this post year one? Yeah, because this was, they mentioned the killing joke twice, I think. They talk about Barbara. Yeah. And so that, I believe, was after year one, closer to like when Dark Knight Returns came out, I thought was more mid to late 80s. I don't know. Well, Dark Knight Returns came out before year one, I think. What? Hang on. Do the yeah, math. He, he did that, and then he did year one. Hey, Ben, let's hijack this podcast while Sam is gone. Let's talk about Star Trek. Oh, man, what about Worf? Oh, I'm back already. Yeah. Son Worf. of a bitch. Uh, hey, we forgot to introduce ourselves on the last episode. Yeah, oh, we yeah. do that a lot. Okay, so this... I'm Evan. Shut I'm up. Ben. I'm Brian Fellows. <laughs> I'm Brian Fellows. I'm Brian Fellows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I would have thought of that. Dark Knight Returns is 1986. Year one says copyright 1986. Whoa. But I think Dark Knight Returns was like his end of the character. This says and this was. Year one after to start over. This says this was uh, in Batman 404 <laughs> through 407. And uh, this is like in the 420s or the 440s. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciated the opportunity to bounce back and forth with the stuff that we're going between, but also the time periods, too. I kind of fully thought that I would hop into this and be like, ah, stupid old stuff or something. <laughs> and instead, I was super into it, actually. I was okay. like, just the art off the, is amazing. Yeah, just off the bat, I was like, son of a bitch. They really got me with, with the like classic inks and stuff. And Yeah, and, super bold lines, bright colors. And it's a funny contrast, too, because they 
it, it seems like it's so clearly tied to past comics. Like, if this is in the 80s, like, I swear to God, the way that it's written is, like, from... 1940 or something it's like with all these like detective word bubbles but then it and the expressions that they use in the dialogue too yeah i I got these gun souls i'm gonna take out yeah yeah. (laughs) and but it starts right off the bat with like a kitty porn ring yeah and and i was like whoa wow (laughs) it's uh that's the first line the first line in the book is yeah yeah. something about being outside the the kitty porn ring that they're trying to bust and uh it's like oh yeah this did come right after the killing joke didn't it (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it's funny too because in looking at it sometimes there'll just be sort of this disconnect between what i understand that a person is trying to visually convey but then also the way in which they're doing it because um because my mind and my my eyes are focused on like the flat primary colors and and the guy in a Robin Hood costume with uh, just like no leggings and underwear. <laughs> yeah, and and I I like feel sort of distracted, and then it also randomly hits me with stuff like that too. Yeah, it's a really interesting mix of styles because in that era it was a lot more lighthearted most of the time, and so yeah. you are introducing some real heavy shit, but almost like the Batman Forever thing that we talked about, where it's like. We're gonna inject some some real psychology into this, but it's still mm-hmm. gonna be set in this world and this style of storytelling, you know? Like mm-hmm. there's a line in the beginning when they're in the middle of beating up the pedophiles and Batman says he's grown tired of beating on them and marks <laughs> and remarks on uh, Jason's enthusiasm. To, uh, to take down the last guy, and he says, I'll let the boy finish him off. And I'm like, Dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like they're beating up pedophiles, and you say, I'm going to let the boy finish him off. Jesus Christ. This is, I think, like the mid 80s, maybe the late 80s, is when comic books start to really lean into being hardcore. And yeah, like dark and gritty. This is yeah. the beginning um, of, of the shit that we know and love, for sure. Yeah, but when I I still think some of the stuff I love comes after that once because it seems like so much of that in comics is a both to cater to an audience that's getting older that doesn't necessarily want it to be oriented towards children, yeah. but also as a way to be like we're a legitimate medium, like we're not. You got to take us seriously, so we're going to write these like super intense stories with all the murder and violence and stuff. But that in an, in a way is also kind of juvenile sometimes. Yeah. But so this is this is like in the initial lead into it when you still have or I guess Watchmen was before this and Watchmen but that's the whole point of Watchmen is that you have these bright pastel characters and world with this super realistic story. Totally. Where this is not as self aware as that. Yeah. I think some of it was probably unintentional anyways, because I I don't even know how stuff was colored in the past. And for all I know, that's what they were capable of you know like green is is bright apple green you know yeah. and and they didn't they they couldn't do something else and so that's what you got i think that's true because they have a certain number of colors you can print with you know even like today sure. a modern laser jet printer is cmyk it's four colors that are blending to make everything you know and and so i know back then there were certain limitations and 
a lot of times when I'm like thumbing through the book section and going, um, I haven't read this one. Let's take a look at this. And, you know, and you read the synopsis and then you thumb through the art a little bit. It would kind of keep me from reading something of this era if I'm thumbing through and going like, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I'll wait on that. And this yeah. is one of those books that I was just like, dude, I, I can't call myself a Batman fan and like not not read this book. And and I was pleasantly surprised. I don't remember. I've got, I had a few years now, but I was pleasantly surprised when I did. And I, I was glad that I didn't let that hold me back any longer. Well, I've had that too where the art kind of this older style art or more traditional comic style art kept me from getting into these stories but as i read this i there were so many times where i was just like stopping to appreciate the art in a way that i often don't do with modern comics where the art may be more extreme or more there's more to it but it's so focused it just looks really really good i think in the we've talked in the past and, and i've made comments about how sometimes my least favorite thing about american comics will be the colors, because I think that it's distracting and it can be kind of a deterrent. This feels like the opposite to me. Like what you're saying, Ben, I didn't have anything else to look at. It's it's primary colors almost, and then the line art, and it's not, you don't have like dazzling, shiny effects or like yeah. anything else to pull your eyes anywhere, really. it's just It's just straight up like word bubbles the line art and these basic colors it's it's like reading a different version of tintin or something and you're forced to soak up the stuff rather than attempting to take in all this stuff that's like being force fed to you you actually get the opportunity to really to hone in on these lines because there's not layers of color here's a million things in the background or the things that i think are most appealing lately are the artists that use brushes to ink and I think that that was probably a staple in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if that's just how everything got done. So I unintentionally found myself in whether or not the character art or the art style itself is something I would super gravitate towards. The tools that they're using and, and the lines, like especially the line weight when you get to uh, Joker shows up and he's got this like fat blob of a chin you know, and they really, that the lines have such a variation to their size in order to create emphasis. It's super cool. I really like the way that these older books are illustrated and the facial expressions and a lot of that detail. But I do like when sometimes these books get reissued later on with more, and not to shit on the colorist here, Adrian Roy, but I do like when they are given a more modern touch. Because again, I'm more of a movie guy and and I like those like David Fincher sort of muted palettes that's sort of the opposite of what you just said I like that stuff that lets me not feel like I'm seven you're not seven years old reading a story about a woman who had to flee the country because her abortions didn't work well that she was performing (laughs) I just mean in the time that we grew up that's what they looked like, you know? Uh, And so even some of my very favorite stories like Nightfall and No Man's Land and some of that stuff still looks pretty dated to me, Um, but I'm able to be more lost in it when you've got a modern 
color update on that, and you're a little less like bright, colorful guys. Saturday morning cartoon or cereal box or something. Yeah, and so just for me, it helps me get into the story a little bit more. But like you said, with this, it's sort of like listening to the stuff that influenced the music that you love today. You know, it's like when I went back and listened to some of those 80s rap records and stuff that I had never heard before. It was like, whoa, this shit's fucking pretty crazy for its time, you know? Yeah. Especially considering we're just talking about comics as as comics and we're delving into stuff to a certain level, but we haven't ever talked about printmaking technology or anything. And I don't know what that looked like in the past. I, I literally have zero idea how these things were conceived or how they were well, I think some of the, the choices with colors had to do not just with technical limitations, but with costs. Like, sure. what was most cost-effective for printing a whole bunch of these things? Well, that was yeah. factored in, I think. It's not like you had scanners and stuff. I mean, how how was any of this stuff done? How were they actually colored, if not digitally? You know, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, I don't even know what that stuff looks like. And that's interesting, too, because talking about costs, if you think... Now we're used to these hardcover, glossy page collections, you know, and like back then it was just like, no, the cheapest fucking paper, you know, and like four, yeah. four color ink and, and go for it, you know. And there's, a, there's a, it's like, three pages of ads in the back selling like bullshit magic tricks and Charles uh, Adams weight gain products to subsidize <laughs> the cost of the whole thing. I, I don't know. Mine were more Steve like... Mortal Kombat games and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Saturday morning cartoons, you know. Well, I'm 60 years old, so the comics from my childhood. Oh, yeah, 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 I forgot. I have some like that, too, though, but also, like you're saying, Sam, this stuff was printed on, like, newspaper stock in the past. You know, the paper's totally different. I want to, do you have the physical version of this book? I kind of want to compare it to the digital because when I was reading it, it still retains the same bright kind of primary thing, mm-hmm. but it also looks really clean. And I think that it got redone for like a digital version. And just they cleaned and upscaled s- something. It looks, it looks like somebody imitated this, probably what the original stuff, but in, but in a newer version, I'd, I'd like to compare it to yours and see how different it looks. It's all very sharp. Whatever they're doing to restore these is great. You know, yeah. this, the one that I have is the graphic novel that has the added um, Lonely Place of Dying in the end. So, I mean, it's the same as what whatever you read, but I mean, it's... Totally. Yeah, it pops on the page. But again, I, I read it on the app as well just because I was lazy. Mm. Uh, when I think of these older... and I mean, I, again, for people who are like 40 or 50 or 60, most of our audience... They'll remember that when you look at these traditional comics, <laughs> most the of our way, audience here, <laughs> fifty and sixty. Yeah, that's, I think so. I mean, podcast audience in general are sixty and up, right? <laughs> yeah, and they, they have to they have to have somebody put it on a radio for them and then they tune in the radio to it. They have a uh, they have a ton of time while they play bingo. <laughs> yeah, bingo, and you know, Wheel of Fortune doesn't come on till seven, so they have to kill. Um, now, Wheel of Fortune I, is for old people. Older, okay, modern old people are like. We're going to watch The Price is Right with Drew Carey. Yeah, <laughs> on demand, whenever we want. <laughs> I miss Whose Line Is It Anyway, so that was a good show. <laughs> it's on the Game Network, I think. There's a network that's all games. Is it new episodes? I think there are some new ones. With Drew Carey? 
No, it's somebody else. Oh, man, I like that. Uh, Ryan and Colin, those guys are a hoot. I think they're still on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> but what I wanted to say is when I think of this, like, part of what has in the past turned me off from classic comics or the look of classic comics, when I see them ahead, I picture the way it looks on that cheap paper. Yeah. So it gives so, everything, like, a wash of gray and just a lack of clarity. So, again, reading it digital, it just, it's so brilliant. That's mm-hmm. true. I kind of like it to go the other way. When I read this, the only thing that bummed me out is that I wasn't reading like an original copy of it because I would have preferred to absorbed it, not necessarily how it was intended, but just in its original form. You know, I wanted to like feel the paper for what it was and see the colors for what they were and stuff. You wanted it, to be one of the call-in voters that asked <laughs> that asked for Robin to be killed. <laughs> Uh, no, I didn't even know about that until you guys told me about it. <laughs> it bummed me out in this because they said the cover of the third issue says, like, it has it's it. up to you, read inside. But the digital version, I didn't have the back page where it walked you through the, the kill him or not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hotline. Yeah, yeah. You think one guy was just in his room, like, all weekend calling over and over again? Fucking <laughs> kill that fool, man. They didn't have caller ID in the 80s, you know? He just changed his voice. I see yeah. I- Kill him. I think you should probably take him out. I'm totally a different person. Doing accents and shit. When you guys... I do declare. Yeah, I run to the chopper and then kill him. (laughs) While I was reading this, because in the last one you guys... Not in the last one, but before you were talking about like, oh yeah, there was a vote. People just thought he was like such a fucking prick. They just had to murder him. And when I was reading it, I was like, what about this guy is so prickish? Like, yeah, he doesn't bother me at all. Why did you have to murder him? You guys are a bunch of assholes. Well, did I you think look into that at all, Sam? Or? I no, but I I think that in this, it's, I mean, that's what's happening in comics culture, right? From what yeah. I, I mean, from what I know about it, being thirty years later, right? That's what's happening at the time outside of the books being written, and so I think they're going well. Let's give him one last try. Let's really dive in, you know, and and we'll humanize him and see if we get people to care. And they're like, no, still kill him, you know. <laughs> but, but he doesn't know who his mother is. I don't care. Kill that fool. I mean, I'm just talking out my ass, but but just an educated guess of like given this is sort of an unprecedented move and then the nature of this story the way that it's told it really does dive a lot it invests a lot in him you know the batman story is fully invested in him the joker story is fully invested in him you know it's just well they really should have i think what could have instead of or in addition to giving him this kind of story they should have revitalized the robin costume before this yes as i'm looking at it it looks like a costume from a hundred years ago. Yeah. You can talk about comic book characters and how silly the costumes are all the time. And people do it all the time. And comics creators do it all the time. But this costume in particular for the setting and the character is ridiculous. The elf shoes and everything. And yeah. The, the, just like the exposed the legs. Their legs. The, cape, the and short cape. I, I also <laughs> acknowledge that this is probably my first exposure to the character anyway. So I can't judge whether or not this kid deserves to die (laughs) just like in in a couple of issues for all i know maybe in the stuff leading up to this he actually was 
uh, you know, snarky and, and stupid and people didn't like him. Uh-huh. But I, I haven't seen any of that stuff. I only saw this little bit. I'm like, but man, he just wants to find out who his mommy is. Why you guys, <laughs> why you guys suck? So should we get into the story a little bit? Sure. In the beginning, we have Batman saying everyone's going to want a piece of him, meaning Joker, after what he did to Barbara. So this is clearly like right on the heels of Killing Joke. We have a really odd story. I was surprised the first time I read this that Joker is out, he has no assets, and so he takes this missile that he's had on lock for a while, like, oh, one of these days I'm going to fucking show him, you know? (laughs) And that's a perfect Joker thing. He's just, like, got this up the sleeve, right? I love that. But then, but then instead of him going like, yeah, he said I was going to point it at City Hall someday or some shit like that, you know. But instead of doing like a normal, like, okay, Joker is going to point it at City Hall and do a Dr. Evil ransom, you know, hold the city for ransom or something like that. He's like, I'm going to sell it to some terrorists. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, get me on a plane to Lebanon. And they're like, wait, what? That's not going to work. He's like, trust me, it's going to be fine. And then... He's headed overseas. You're like, well, that was fucking weird. And then Jason gets this old box of mementos and photos and the birth certificate that they go very out of the way to recap each issue (laughs) as you open up. Like, don't forget the birth certificate. (laughs) I I, I needed that personally. There There was an S and a smudge. Don't forget. It was actually me. I'm his mother. Um, with Sam Wartenby. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler, if you haven't read it. My son deserved to die. That's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he matured very quickly. I was only about uh, three when this came out. But um, you had a bad job raising your son. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was only so much I could do. I was yeah, well, still I was <laughs> in preschool. So yeah, he finds this does a little detective work of his own, narrows it down to three names, all of them coincidentally. This is the only thing I don't really like story-wise is that it works kind of too easily. All of these things are in the Middle East. Oh, and they all like connect to the story. It is kind of nonsense. Yes. Uh, it's just the catalyst. So, I mean, yeah. it serves its purpose. I thought it was kind of interesting how, well, unfortunate how applicable the political stuff is still. And then with anything that kind of fuses fiction and nonfiction in different ways is always, it can be pretty interesting to me. And then it just, you know, I hear I'm reading this thing that's older and it got me thinking about, you know, cause they're talking about hostage situations in Iran. Yeah. Yeah. So then that got me thinking about real life and like, Holy shit. You know, I mean, one, stuff has always been happening in the Middle East because it's just like a hotbed for conflict. That's just historical. But also, it's got, you know, they're talking about something that happened during the Carter era. And I just, uh, it it got me thinking about like, God damn, it's so crazy that we're still doing that stuff. And we're like still over in those places. But also his tie in with, with that era of politics and I'll just sell this shit to terrorists and stuff. Yeah, because that's yeah. people know terrorists and they're afraid of terrorists. I mean, it's yeah. sort of like a. It's you mentioned Watchmen earlier. You know, it's uh, sort of like that self-aware sort of mix of current 
politics, you know. Yeah, but it, but it's a weird mix in the way that like the whole again the whole point of Watchmen is that superheroes as an idea wouldn't really work in the real world. Like they would have they would be like people, so they would be messed up and just the the problems of the world aren't really solved by superheroes. Well, they're, think about like action movies then. Say that one more time. Think about like action movies then, because you know depending on who the big American conflict was at the time, you know, the movies have the Russian villain for a while, and then they have the Middle Eastern villain for a while, and you see yeah. these, these uh, Nazis. archetypes, yeah, whatever. And um, so depending on the era of cinema, I mean, and now it's kind of a blend, but like... It's like digital and, and Arab terrorists and Russians. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Going back, you could see eras of current events conflict reflected in the art you know it's like if, if you watch glow on netflix you know they have uh, the big heel for the american hero is the russian destroyer, the, the russian <laughs> villain yeah exactly and so you know it's just something that very indicative of its time yeah, it just ties it in, and later on there's a, a caption where they're talking about like poverty and, and a victim of Reaganomics and yeah. stuff, so they use it to tie it into our actual world. Or now Bruce Wayne says, like, well, he's just going to go home and write another check because he really can't do anything oh, in Ethiopia to solve this problem. Yeah. yeah. I also think that's interesting, too, because we're still firmly in the era of Bruce Wayne is a millionaire. So yes. modern Bruce Wayne is a billionaire. This guy's just like pretty wealthy but he's not <laughs> insanely I like, wealthy i like this this come this one does like it has especially in the narrative bubbles they do very old-timey narrative comic stuff and that's one of them where they'll be like bruce wayne comma millionaire comma. <laughs> like i know who this fool is <laughs> in case you didn't recognize him from the cover he's worth a lot of money but i think comparing this jumping ahead a little bit to uh, a conflict with Superman. Superman saying, "The government says you can't mess with the Joker. There's, it would be an international nightmare. You can't do it." And President Reagan has, you know, recruited me to stop you in case anything happens. So you know, I'm in, and we're friends. But I'm going to stop you. I, we have to do it because that's you'd be breaking the law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And first off, all the all Batman does is break the law all the time anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Comparing this to. Uh, Dark Knight Returns, which is a few years earlier, where it's kind of the same thing. It's Ronald Reagan has recruited Superman to be his like lackey, but in that one, it's a joke, and Superman's the butt of the joke. In this, it feels like it's played more straight. Like Superman is, he's not a joke. He's just with Ronald Reagan on this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it though. I mean, he's the truth and justice and the American way and all, all of that. All of you know, rules. like it works. I think that that was actually a pretty clever thing it's super weird when you're like wait he's the what but the way that they use that in the story of like they've given him diplomatic immunity it's sort of like once again his past crimes wait are you ready are you ready it's sort of like lethal weapon (laughs) 2 they have these uh slavic uh, terrorist guys or whatever they're oh no they're um they're South African because there's a whole thing about apartheid in there they have diplomatic immunity and oh you're not on US soil right now you're not allowed to fucking be here and that's like the whole thing of the movie is like they can't fucking do anything but they're cops Batman is a, a criminal 
but he turns them in to the authorities every time because uh, if he was a murdering vigilante, then that would be one thing. But like, he, what's he going to do? Keep him in the bat cave? Yes, he breaks property laws. <laughs> he trespasses constantly. <laughs> but again, his he, he end game... He is a criminal otherwise. No, no, he is, but his end game, once he beats the bad guy, is to turn him over to the authorities. And if there and is no... anything in this case. If there is no authorities to turn into, then uh, he's like, well, what the fuck? So the whole world lost their fucking minds here? I mean, White yeah, Knight. I actually, <laughs> I appreciate the pickle that he's, that he's in. You know, Batman can do whatever he wants all the time if he... Because he does still have morals, even if they're. That's how you're saying morals. he could do whatever uh, he does all the time. Because he does. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> he, I mean, he still does. He's obviously he's blurring the line all the time. But I appreciate that because of the the real implications in this. They're like, this isn't Gotham City, bro. This this is potentially yeah. an, an international incident. This is like some global shit. Don't do that, dude. You're being dumb. Uh, but the one thing we never establish is why the Ayatollah thinks Joker is a good. Well, they sort of. He has charisma, you know. He's <laughs> I, he interviews really well. People. Well, they sort of do. Bruce suggests to Superman that he suspects that they appointed him in order to have him like kill someone like while he's here, you know, uh, because. That's within his wheelhouse, and then they couldn't touch him, you know. And so uh, they don't follow up on that, but that does make sense when they. Is that is that true though? Can an ambassador? I know the diplomatic immunities, I think, but and lethal weapon too aside, can you can an ambassador murder someone and then just completely well, get off? That, that that I don't know, but what I mean is you. They don't care what happens to him afterward. They, they just care that he would do it. And he doesn't really care about killing someone or not killing someone. He just thinks it would be great to put Batman in this situation. So I could see the motivation on both sides as to why they would, why they would enter into this crazy agreement. It's possible that Ayatollah just wants him to do whatever he's going to do anyways. Like, oh, yeah, this Don't guy. Chaos. Yeah, yeah, this guy is like a good, not a scapegoat, but he's... You know, he's going to take this to the UN and he's going to do some bad shit. I mean, if they're beefing with us anyways. I think it was just an excuse to do a super detailed drawing of the Ayatollah. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's that funny. was strangely realistic compared to everything else. <laughs> yeah, they put a lot of time into that. They're like, don't like be disrespectful or we're going to get a bomb <laughs> sent to us. I really like that the, that the Joker in his like chic outfit looks like the kind of like costume, like hidden extra costume you would unlock in a video game from doing certain achievements or something <laughs> like, oh, you've, uh, like you've unlocked the uh, like Middle Eastern royalty <laughs> costume package. So going back to the story, we've got nope. uh, Jason heads to Israel and then to Beirut, and we come across the Israeli spy who he thinks could be his potential, one, one of three, Sharman Rosen. She's a toilet paper dealer and Israeli spy. Soft skin. And then you have this, I mean, really, my only beef with this story is that everything in it is just too convenient. Like you have Bruce run into him on the street, uh, which is already like way easy. Neither of them were looking for the other one. And then you see 
oh, suspected arms dealer, Peter Brando. And then you see Jason's face go, with Charmin Rosen. And so then they're like, well, now we have to team up and work together. Yeah, when the whole point of the the thing at the beginning was Batman going like, oh, I have to abandon, I have to choose between him and the crime again, and I'm going to choose chasing Joker, even though it might not be the right choice. But it doesn't matter anyway, because they just meet up. Yeah. Again, I haven't read the story either. I knew the way it concluded. I didn't, I thought it was more like Joker had put things into motion that led to the climax, where in reality, it just everything on its own led to the climax and that's coincidentally just, ended there. That's just where it went. Yeah, I thought it was like, I thought there was much more setup and trickery. I thought we were going to have a scene of like, Joker's like, yes, I manipulated the birth certificate and I led you on this trip or something like that, but it's just, no, it's all... it was very much just like Joker at his core just is that dude and he sees the chance to beat a child to death with a piece of steel and thinks that's fun cool you know good times yeah it's pretty opportunistic i think i mean i think if we're jumping ahead to that point when we've got the sheila haywood character and joker is blackmailing her to try to get leverage and resell black market medical supplies which whatever on that scheme but like uh, i didn't expect that they get they get intertwined while this is happening and then he kills jason in front of her she lights yeah. up a cigarette and stands there and watches the whole thing she didn't leave the room or fucking anything man that was well you find out in that scene too that she is bad because it's yeah. set up with He's going to blackmail her for all, like, what they don't say it, even though they can say kitty porn. They can't say abortion. Yeah. But that seems like what they're talking about. She she was like, a, she helped with illegal abortions and it went wrong. She had to flee. And so you think that's why he's blackmailing her. And they kind of intimate that. But then when Jason gets there and it's all revealed that Joker was behind it, she reveals that she was also on top of that. She was, like, dipping in and, like, stealing from the fun, too. We get the double cross, you know, when she turns him over to Joker. And you're like, oh, man, that's pretty fucking brutal like you're a bitch that's <laughs> that's low you know and you suck uh, up. yeah i mean and that's a good little twist i mean you've seen this in other movies and stuff where like there would be a double cross and they'll give you to the really bad guy like even let's say dark knight rises catwoman leads batman to bane knowing it's going to be a trap right and we see her face instantly like, oh, fuck, I didn't realize it was going to be this bad. You know, yeah. he's fucking Batman. He should be able to, and like, oh, God, this is worse than I thought. And I don't really feel like we get that with her double take, the remorse, the, it's just like, oh, yeah, here's my son, and whatever you do is fine. Oh, you're going to beat him to death. Well, sure, why not? Well, I think the way they try and deal with that is is in that same scene where they reveal that she was committing crimes also. She wasn't just on the run for failed abortions. She was also stealing from this medical thing. That's supposed to make you think in the scene that, oh, she's actually, she's a bad person. She's not just someone who was involved in something that went wrong later. She is a bad person also. But- I didn't equate the thievery to the murder of my own blood family. Um, I, I think sometimes Ben will say some stuff about like, oh, they mentioned some sciencey shit, so... It must have been smart. They don't delve into everything. Everything just gets glanced over really quickly. And so instead, there's just these indicators of she's bad or 
mini remorse or the narrator will be like she felt bad and so you're like okay okay <laughs> yeah she felt bad because they talked about it so therefore i believe it and i'm into it you know i thought about like the first issue seemed kind of slow and not a lot happening and then after that it was just like non-stop everything moving forward all the time yeah yeah and it's not as if the action doesn't take place in a way that I think is too quickly, you know, I don't, you don't have to spend multiple chapters on traveling the desert and going to a base and beating up the guards. I don't need all that. But when it comes to a a little more of the internal stuff, you could spend some more time on that to maybe go further than just surface level stuff. Really all you get with her remorse is there's that three panel shot. Her face. Yeah, she, she kind of sees something's going to happen, and then the middle shot is her like, with a look of remorse and disgust. And then the yeah. third one is her lighting the cigarette, facing yeah. away from it. And that's kind of all you get of her response or feelings about it. What do we think about right after that, when Joker leaves, she gets tied up next to the bomb, and then she sees him move, and she's like, oh, thank God you're all right. I, th- <laughs> I thought that, I mean, the, the crowbar beating is incredibly brutal and sometimes i will i'll see stuff and then i'll picture it as it could be in somebody else's hands kind of and so i was instantly thinking of earth one and two-face becoming two-face and the molotov cocktail scene yeah and and i was thinking about like man beating somebody to, to death with a blunt weapon is probably one of the most brutal things you could do to a person like it's gruesome and gross. yeah you'll you feel every every portion of it it will last as long as the person wills it to happen to you but in this format it's like unless you were reading it when it came out then it would seem like maybe the most intense thing you'd seen or read yeah but we've seen we've seen so much other stuff so going best it's like yeah, it's so colorful. Yeah, you know, you almost you, you again. You have to like imagine it for for being more than what they actually present. Well, that scene has been recreated. Yeah, countless times since yeah, yeah, yeah. flashbacks and in the Arkham Knight, the third video game, game by yeah by Rocksteady. That is part of the story a lot, and they deal with it there too. So it's been shown in that kind of detail and that effect a lot since then. For um, sure. I mean, it was kind of a quick thing, but that's... If you were the person getting beaten to death, it would probably feel like it oh. took forever. But it, in terms of the actual time it takes, it's probably pretty short. Totally. So much of it is off-camera, implied violence. Yeah. And that can be very effective in this type of story. If you think of, like, The Dark Knight, when Joker, his corpse is delivered to Gamble and they unzip the body bag, and he has the whole why so serious thing, the knife on the guy's face. You see him put the knife in the guy's mouth. You don't see him actually slit the guy's throat or whatever he does to him. You know, yeah. you just see the people's reaction to what happened. And so, I mean, yeah. that is still an effective method of storytelling when your medium is sort of needed to appease all audiences, you know? I mean, the next option is showing everything. And Which what? I don't think they could because of the comics authority. This is still a, yes. a mainstream no. comics that has like a morality code they have to it's, adhere to. Yeah, it's too gnarly. I mean, what, you can't show the 
crowbar hit in the face. That's gross. But like six years later, they can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they bring it off. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I didn't really appreciate her like emotional flip. Yeah. You just fessed up to this stuff. You gave up your kid. You smoked a cig. So obviously you're evil. And <laughs> and then she, you know, feels not that a person's not capable of it because that situation is obviously dire and extreme. I didn't care for that a ton, but I did love that scene because of the panels. Like the countdown? Yeah, the countdown. I love the clock panel. Clock. Did you did you panel. have your phone going on this one also? Check yeah, I tried really to, yeah, yeah. I tried to read it in under eight seconds. <laughs> punctuality is super important to me. I think that's <laughs> I think that's true what you said about her character flip and I think there's a way to make it work. Like she clearly only cares that he's alive in some survival instinct, sort of like, oh shit, you can get us out of here. Yeah. Obviously, the door's locked, doesn't work out. And then we see her in the next issue, sort of spilling her guts to Batman. If you had used that as a, obviously, she wants to escape, so she's glad there's another person in the room who's not dead. She was just self-serving trying to get out of that situation. I think if they had stuck to that in the following issue when Batman finds her or whatever, then it may have been a little more effective. I also think they're not delving very much, but I love the scene in Return of the Jedi where Luke is being shocked by the Emperor and Vader has that real, like... Yeah. Yeah, you Looking, can see, he's, even though he's wearing yeah, a full mask. Yeah, exactly. It. Like, but it comes across, how did they portray it? He's watching the suffering of his son. They they could have, aside from, like, oh, it's four issues, you know, so they just can't fit it in or something. Yeah, but it they, is really they, short. They could have used that opportunity, like, if every panel of Joker hitting Jason coincided with, like, a wince from mom or something yeah, so she's like ah. between each of those shots exactly if she was like ah fuck like every time he got hit or something but instead the flip is so polar she's just puffing a marlboro and <laughs> now she's sad they know? were really like, trying to quickly get to the call in the hotline to vote for murder or not <laughs> yeah 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 they just well yeah, i was surprised instead. at how soon it happened in the story because i was like oh there's still like a lot left to tell mm. after this point you know that's when you get into the whole diplomatic immunity superman storyline you know then they and they have a, a pretty classic Joker doing what you know he's going to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's a shot in that confrontation where he gasses the UN, an undercover Tom Selleck looking Superman with the mustache. <laughs> Didn't what's his butt have a mustache? Oh, yeah, the Henry Cavill uh, mustache. That they had to blur up. Yeah, yeah. Inhales all the fumes, which is fucking crazy. Yeah. And then Joker is just like shooting people at random run into yeah. this uh, helicopter, and then the guard pulls out a machine gun inside the helicopter to shoot at Batman, and that's why they go down. And it's just another classic, like, oh, Joker fell in the water, like the animated series or something, you know, like, yeah. oh, Joker fell in the water, don't bother looking, you're not going to find well, him. Superman's there. Superman should be able to see him. 
Yeah. But because he's the Joker, because he's so extreme, yeah. even Superman can't find him. Yeah. It makes it, it's kind of a funny ending because it's, it's hardly even a climax to me. It's not like an explosion that's like, oh my God, you know, like he jumps into the water. And then the helicopter explodes, and then that's the end. Then they like, just oh, give man, up. Really, really, all you were just—you were just transitioning to like another portion of the universe. Like, you don't bother looking. Yeah, and then the Batman kind of comments on that a little bit. He's like, "It's gonna end like it always does with him." Like, yeah. yeah. No resolution. Freaking Joker. <sighs> yeah. Uh, going back earlier in the story, I like any story with Shiva because I like those are the kind of Batman villains I like where they. I can appreciate what the Joker is, and a lot of the best Batman stories revolve around him. But I like the villains who are smart and usually can meet him or beat him in the physical aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I like her her character. I don't know how long her character had been around at this point. But yeah, I, I was surprised at that story. too. I, I I was like, wait, I didn't even know she was around back then. Well, when they introduce her, they say it like Shiva whatever her name is yeah her last... she's just a person yeah and he kind of says like i know who it is but you don't see any of it until he actually meets up with her there's an implication that they had fought in the past but i was sort of thinking like she was a a raz al ghul character that was you know sort of like a later villain addition yeah i mean raz al ghul comes in the 70s yeah and again this is the end of the 80s so she might have been she could have just been a little bit before that yeah and she definitely does have those nunchuck techniques you know like she's been uh, karate trained yeah or they talk about her I mean he's a he's a man who's at least a little bit taller than her and probably weighs 100 pounds more than her and he's commenting in his internal monologue the whole fight about how she hits as hard as he does and she can she can take it as well as he can and she's not going down and at the same time he says that I like he when he hits her in the face the last time he says something about like doing the merciful thing and letting her down easy because she's so lethal. She'd just fight you to the death, you know? So he's, he's just going to knock her out. I, I feel like in this version of Batman, he's constantly patting himself on the back when he, when he punches people. Cause he's always like, he'll, he'll punch a person and he'll be like, they'll be asleep for two and three quarter hours. And then in the next one, he'll like kick him and he'll be like, he'll feel it in his nuts for the next six hours. Like he's always, He's always gauging with this one. He's just going to have severe dental work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. always gauging the severity of his attacks and stuff. <laughs> he's a fucking psycho sadist. That's what well, he's yeah, that's true. That ties into the trifecta that we talk about. You know, in terms of him being a ninja, like everything is very purposeful, and he wants you to know about it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. in the first fight when you see, like, you know, I will let the boy finish him off. You know, it's like he <laughs> he mentions. Yes. I come down on his shoulders with my two <laughs> two hundred twenty pounds of weight. Yeah. You know, it's like Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, this is strange, but I was thinking about this uh, a while ago. Hey, wait, you think about Batman's dick again? No, that's yeah, not strange. No, I coming, prefaced with that strange coming shoulder, down. Yeah, coming shoulder come. Um, that's what I was saying. So there's Silence of the Lambs, which is about Hannibal Lecter, but it's mainly about Clarice Sterling. And then there's the TV show, which is Hannibal, which I really, really like. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. It's just really, yeah. Oh, it's um, the the acting is amazing. The set design, it's just an amazing show. Really, really good. No, to sell. Hannibal, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, he's just Mads. perfectly cast for that. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> in that show, he's portrayed more like literally the devil. Oh, and that you in kind of the way you're supposed to feel about him in the movie, but more so that he's like you're you're supposed to like him, even though you're really not supposed to like him because he's terrible. 
And so they're constantly doing that. Like, even the characters in the universe <laughs> like him until they find out who he is. So when I was thinking about that, I realized, like, that's who Batman is. Batman is, like, a complete nut job, but he had, he's moral and ethical. He's not empty on the inside, but he is, like, he's methodically beating people constantly, and he always has these plans. He always wins. He always beats everyone. Well, Batman is Hannibal Lecter. If Hannibal Lecter was no, a no, I think Joker is Hannibal Lecter because he is very intelligent, has these diabolical plans, and they'll use him like Clarice used him in the first movie in, in Silence of the Lambs because she's going there to get his input to solve a different crime. And that's shit that we've literally seen in Batman stories. There's elements of that, but there's other stories with Hannibal Lecter where it's not about them more about them trying to catch him or stop him what he's doing. And I think even in that, there's elements of the Batman and Joker are supposed to be opposite sides of the same coin in the sense that Batman is all about order and justice yeah. and Joker's chaos, but he's still maniacal. He has these crazy plans that, why would this plan work? And the way they justify it in stories is that because he's the Joker. And you, you buy it because you, you buy into the character and what he is, but it's the same kind of thing. He shouldn't be able to do the things he does, just like Batman doesn't. But both Batman and the Joker accomplish these insane feats, which is again, which is why I say it reminds me of Hannibal Lecter because he's serial killers are just nut jobs. Like they're not like charming and suave and brilliant. Yeah. But the way they portray these characters, that's what Batman is. He's like a complete nut job. There's for sure that tie-in too, where if you have a killer who wants to prolong the process, you know, for their enjoyment and the other person's non-enjoyment they have a thorough understanding of like human physiology, you know, oh, so, yeah. Batman, so Batman's going to be like, pow, like, you know, incapacitating pressure. I struck him in the clavicle with 60 pounds of force. <laughs> yeah. So they, you know, in Batman's version, it's just, uh, whatever, whatever takes a person out for X amount of time, but in a serial killer's torturous version, it's going to be whatever inflicts the maximum pain, but also, keeps them alive you know they're they're avoiding arteries and they're trying to prolong the process so there's there's some similarities and now all of a sudden we're back to all-star batman and robin (laughs) yeah he he giggles he's a real giggler he loves killing people (laughs) now that that robin he had it coming he's the one who had made a guy get a tracheotomy and shit yeah yeah nobody calls me gay or anything (laughs) i'll kill that kid no, I think it was queer in that book. Every, yeah, queer. Everything was queer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, okay. Anything else before we get to the pros and cons? I don't think so. All right, so... There, there, was, there was a couple things that I... In, in reading this, I clearly... It hinted at past stuff that I didn't know anything about ar- around the time where Joker's stealing the nuke, I think. He says something about his military friend. And yeah. it made me think of some past story that I didn't know anything about. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That sort of seemed like just a, you know, just put in a line to explain why he's going to the Middle East. I don't know. Why he has a missile. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's possible. I think it's Batman talking on, I think he's he's walkie-talking Alfred, maybe, from maybe from the Middle East. And because <laughs> they work like that, and he he they, he gives them code. They have code names. Oh yeah. And he and he calls himself El Zul, and so I looked it up. And as far as I can tell, that's just made up. I don't think that's anything at all. I just uh, thought of Ghostbusters when he said it. 
yeah, and like L is the in Spanish. So then I'm looking for Spanish translations, and I don't see any Zul, except for Ghostbusters. But it, it could be Arabic or something. Yeah, I know, but yeah, that's true. I, but I didn't find anything. I in a couple unexpected things to me because the whole time I, I'm thinking this whole thing culminates with with Jason's death. So the whole time that's like what I'm expecting and pretty much everything else is a surprise. So yeah. the art and the nostalgia and those feels, I was kind of surprised by that. And a couple things with the storyline, I appreciated Joker's, you know, he's, he's like, while he's selling this nuke for capital, it's kind of ridiculous. And at the same time, I was also like, yeah, but that makes sense because business and you know what would they do you're you're locked in the clink and they they're liquidating your assets and stuff you know and like well you got to get your missile truck you know it's like your goodies the riddler's got to sell these diamonds to fund the box yeah exactly you know like there's it's like a real behind the scenes and i appreciated that and mostly skipping i i didn't expect Jason's mom to be such a bitch. I didn't think that that's. <laughs> I didn't think that that's how that was going to go. But also before that, when Joker is making the deal with her in regards to the content of the trucks and the shipments, I thought it was just going to be a straight across. He's blackmailing her, so he's he he needs these trucks contents for capital. But instead, he ends up swapping them and then additionally for some reason he wants to like kill all these poor starved people it's it's very it's really typical joker but i but i didn't think that was coming at all i just thought it was like oh man you did her dirty you got the info on her the blackmail that's enough but then and on top of that you need to like kill all these poor people who only want to eat food like you're a fucking asshole man i, I like that because it is very not only is it a very joker thing to do but it gives a justifiable and understandable reason for batman to have to again pick between helping jason or going totally. and stopping the joker yeah yeah which i i thought that worked really well what and then there's also that thing about it when the sale goes down and Batman and Robin show up and they're kicking everyone's asses, right? And then there's this huge explosion. And you're like, holy fuck, did the nuke just go off? And they're like, oh, thank God it only blew up the blah, 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 and not the core. Yeah, super yeah. convenient. I'm like, oh, I'm, so... I'm glad they said that because I thought, too, like, that's... They would all be dead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, so like, you're... What if the comic book just ended there? Like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> the you're... So your nuclear reactor can withstand an explosion and just be fine and not go off? Like, all right. I don't know how that shit works, but that seems a little off. It was the smallest nuclear weapon. Joker got a really good deal on it. It was like one of his fucking guns that just has a bang flag that comes out the end. Uh-huh. Like, what? I mean, it blows up. You wanted it to blow up, right? Like a jack-in-the-box head comes out at the end of it. A big explosion, but not nuke big. A big, a big jack in the box of a mushroom cloud that isn't a mushroom <laughs> cloud for real. <laughs> uh, what? Anything else we got for uh, prose stuff we didn't talk about yet? I thought it was an interesting story, an interesting setting. They're introducing new characters. We have a good face-off with Shiva. It's twisty in a 
way that's not necessarily like always the most realistic, but it also is clever. It takes us to interesting places. Yeah. 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 Literally, but like also just, it's a nice road story, which a lot of times comics, I don't want to say a lot of times they're all set in one place, but often they are. They're all in one city or one area. Yeah, that's That's true. That also made it feel like Tintin to me because he's <laughs> he's like he, you know he's jet setting to the Middle East and all Africa. Countries. Yeah, exactly. My but he brought his gliders and his Batcopter and he fit them all in that Land Rover. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's so funny. Name one other Batman story in Ethiopia. Oh, okay, well in 1968, <laughs> were... I like that because it's it's both it can become tasteless when like the side that the superhero is coming down on as uh, time has told that maybe was not the right side or wasn't as clear-cut as that. Where now, when uh, DC does any kind of Middle East stuff, they have a made-up country, Korak. Yeah. Uh, uh, but this is still from an era of, like, Captain America fights Nazis in Germany. Yeah. We, we They literally fight America's literal enemies. It's very interesting going into this world with them and then also sort of, like, it's almost a little i don't know i i don't know how to feel about some of it it's a of, little tasteless yeah of of like we talked about the kind of villain archetype being certain nationalities and stuff in that era but it's like also sort of racist so <laughs> it's pretty racist you know, it's a recurring joke where joker and he's the joker but it's not supposed to be good but it's kind of portrayed normal where he keeps calling everybody like jamal or something or Oh, yeah, Ahmed yeah. Or something like that? No, he... I'd have to look it up, actually, but they say that, like, fakir word. And I don't remember what that is, but that's also in Tintin. I don't know what that has to do with, like... Not a role, necessarily, but the way but the way you might, like, honor somebody or something like that, uh, or, like... But, but I mean, Joker keeps calling every, every person he meets by the same... Wrong name. name. Oh, yeah. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and... Yeah, he's an asshole. Actually, in yeah. in one of my it's like the Harley Quinn thing. He just doesn't care. They're they're actually all the same person to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was actually one of my cons. Was that when they go there, everyone speaks Farsi? Uh, Joker, Jason. <laughs> I mean, Bruce, you could believe if you had to, but like everyone, Jesus Christ. Uh, the sixteen-year-old with a rage problem. Yeah, <laughs> he also studies Farsi in his free time. Yeah. Man, I, I don't know why because I'm not terribly familiar with older comics, but I, I legit think that just visually, something about the drawing style and the inking, the way that this Bruce Wayne is portrayed in the face is like actually one of my favorites. It, it's yeah. sort of, it's like reminiscent of like Dick Tracy or something or this yeah. classic yeah. stuff. But it's like, I can see where the animated series drew from some of these things in a really simplified way, but they, they, like, this looks like straight-up classic, like, Batman and Superman faces to me, and yeah. and I really appreciate it. Like, dude, you got, like, this rock-hard chin, your, your hair kind of looks pretty. fucking awesome. They're yeah. not, like, cause there's some in later Batman and Superman stories, but later Batman stories where they show him with the super masculine look and the big jaw and the big chin, uh, but he's not necessarily, like, pretty where this is firmly that like you say dick tracy the older style like uh, clip art man look yeah something about the line weight and i could tell that possibly the artist or possibly a less strong suit of 
stuff in the past, but this like ability to show real deep emotions. There's uh, one panel in particular where they're showing somebody's eyes and they were like a little more squinty than normal. And I was like, oh, they're trying to show that they're angry. But otherwise, everybody looks sort of flat the whole time. Yeah. Or Joker in almost every single panel has his mouth open. Like he is just perpetually, yeah, he's either perpetually smiling or inhaling or just open, uh, the open mouth. I don't know. And, 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 and I kind of, I kind of like it and I kind of get it. Um, maybe that's just who he is. Maybe he can't help it, but also maybe that's just as much as they could like convey without really like showing all this anger or something. I mean, his mouth's got to be open for him to say, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the crowbar beatings. <laughs> yeah. You have to have your open mouth to catch all that blood splatter. You were talking about the just the design, and I think they do a great thing with Batman in this. There's probably four or five different places where a character says something to him, whether it's Joker or Superman or whatever. And then it's just a full panel of his unmoving face. It's yeah. just Batman giving the mean stare. And it, I mean, they could have used that. Maybe they did use the same exact fucking drawing each time or something. But like, he is so just like stonewall deadpan, giving you nothing, m- making you take the next turn. That shit is fucking classic batman like i i love the old school design and everything but they use it very well in moments like that where he is absolutely expressionless and you know what that fucking means yeah it's judging you in his head yeah it's classic evan bot versus <laughs> sam, sam uh, uh, I, I think you're right though i think in a couple times they do the like skinny rectangular like vertical panels yep. and it'll be like person batman person batman and either it's just the same picture repeatedly or it gets slightly more zoomed in on Batman's face every time. And There's he's just giving thing, you that think, fuck you look. Yeah. literally use the same shots because it's yeah. just, it saves time and money. Yeah. Oh, I, think and it it's works hilarious. Story. I think it's funny anyways, just like the good, because I can picture it as a cartoon, just like boom, 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 <laughs> like in on their eyeballs. I mentioned the, the Farsi thing. What else do we have for cons here? To me, everything that I think is a, calling about this is kind of forgivable because of its For sure. yeah. age and time frame. There's a couple things. The lack of depth, like we've talked about, it's all pretty forgivable to me. One thing I think is funny is the narrative, pretty much all the time, I think, comes from Batman, but I don't understand when the narrative is happening because when it's... A narrator is speaking versus yes. Batman. Oh. Uh, well, on top of that, but it's like it's it's like a series of events that's been viewed in the future because he, the way he talks about stuff is like, it's him. There's no way that he could be, you know, if you punch somebody and then you'd be like, so I punch Sam. And then <laughs> in my mind, I'm also thinking, yeah, I'll punch you. Uh, <laughs> and then and in my mind, I'm I'm thinking like, I punched Sam with three pounds of force. Like no one would think that to themselves at the time. So it sounds like the kind of stuff that you would think after the fact. So it's like, 
is Batman rewatching his own stories and then narrating them to himself. <laughs> I think it's a mixture. It's a little bit of that, but it's also it is a little bit of him telling you the story as it happens. Uh, Not like literally for, like next to a fireplace in the future, but just <laughs> out, out, out of the story Batman is telling you it. But I do think, again, it's also that, that Hannibal Lecter thing where like he is so good at this and so this is all he is about that he is literally thinking that as he's punching someone in the face. He's thinking about how many pounds of force he's exerting as he does it, or like he has so so much time to to literally think those words in his head. Yeah, it's a, his instrument is beating people. He's not thinking about playing the guitar. He just he's thinking about the music he's making. He doesn't have to think about where his fingers go. Or what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd have to I'd have to like look for more examples, but I think it's kind of a thing with older stuff where they're telling you about really obvious stuff or the kind of or the kind of observations that you would only have like in hindsight like yeah but i'm witnessing this currently like when are you witnessing this well (laughs) you get that shit in movies too they'll have like minor characters do dumb exposition shit just to make sure that you like weren't spacing out the first few times they said it like stupid audience i I just always think of batman begins like the only thing wrong with that movie is they repeatedly have the like that train is coming right for the water tower you know it's like (laughs) just over and over again i did have a another con really the only other thing aside from like you said you know certain things being a little dated the finale confrontation at the UN Batman ducks a gunshot from Joker <laughs> and lets bystander take the bullet like he deserved it like no, we see heroes act as the human shield to protect innocent people but in this case Batman did the opposite of he ducked it <laughs> another guy hit it and he didn't even like stop what he was doing to help the guy he was just like oh that sucks well, Bruce Wayne, comma, millionaire, comma, <laughs> is not going to take a bullet for that, fool. He's got stuff to do. Yeah. Busy, busy, busy. Also, he starts disrobing in the UN meeting, kind of like Batman busting out in the courtroom for Harvey Dent or something. Like, <laughs> well, how'd you throw that shit on so fast that nobody noticed you were Batman all of a sudden? Yeah. <laughs> Super relatable stuff. Jason is brooding and he's walking around the city and it's like Jason Todd walked around the city for three hours thinking and I was like, man, I fucking get this guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you were so sad that he had to go. Yeah, yeah. Why did you kill me? Yeah, you guys suck. Why do you have to die? He's a walker. He's a thinker. How about the the Jack Napier style natural face paint? Uh, Was that natural face paint or was that just his face without makeup? Does this Joker wear makeup or is his skin white? Hard to say. Oh, I don't know. I didn't. But also, zero people are fooled though. Everybody who knows, <laughs> every everybody who knows that he is Joker is like fucking Joker. Like as soon as they see his chin, they and just his know. Wide open mouth. Does he yeah, he smiles? has each set of his teeth are three inches tall, top <laughs> and bottom. What if he got really huge. tan over there? Okay, yeah, that's I believe that that's the justification. <laughs> no, he was there for he, three weeks. He was in London. No. If anything, he would burn and then be peely. He just red faced the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's super flush. <laughs> Not a con, but I didn't mention it. I really loved Batman punching Superman in the face. Yeah. Punching, Superman rolling his head to the side and then going like, "Are you okay? I mean, if I didn't roll my head to the side, you could have broken your hand. Are you crippled?" Yeah. 
And Batman's over there like, I like how they drew that too because that's how you would draw any panel. I mean, you couldn't just show a like stoic head fist punch, mm. but generally you it's like slightly after you show the follow through, you know. Mm. So the hand is slightly afterwards and the head is slightly turned. But then right after that, it was like, no, I did that intentionally. Like, it, you know, so I drew that on purpose and I turned my head on purpose because if I would have just straight taken your punch, that would have been like your whole hand. You're like, it shattered your hand and it would have reverberated through your arm into your elbow. Oh, yeah. Like one of those gross skateboarding forearm uh, accidents. It felt good. Yeah, super cathartic. So Batman trifecta here, detective. I mean, this is kind of a detective story. Yeah, he's following clues. Yeah, when he shows up at the warehouse where the nuke truck previously was. Oh yeah. He, he surmises that the, the tire tracks belonged to some military grade vehicle. Yeah, and, and then he instantly figures out the whole thing. Yeah, because they. <laughs> Conveniently left him a Geiger counter behind. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Other than that, I think that mostly he has a lot of feelings and hunches towards stuff, and he kind of makes connections towards next steps. Ninja, we talked about the Lady Shiva fight. What's his trauma through line in this one? Surprisingly, not a lot. It doesn't seem like he deals with his his trauma very much. He does have a little bit of internal conflict over whether he should have even brought Jason into this or whether he brought him into the into this part of the life too soon. Yeah, I think that's the key is because you have a guy who deals with his trauma in this very aggressive way, right? And he had all that time in between childhood and losing his parents up until becoming Batman many years later, right? And so he's gone through the relationship with Dick and seeing how that played out. And in this case, he realizes too late that he jumped the gun and this kid is still grieving. He's still trying to deal with this shit and he wasn't ready. And so I think that it doesn't carry as much through the whole thing, but in that first issue, it's really prominent that like he's seeing, well, I deal with it by doing this. I'm like, yeah, but you're 35. Well, and the line cracked me up when he's when he's talking to Alfred. He's like, "You got to have your head screwed on straight for this kind of work." And I thought, like, <laughs> yeah, you're one to talk. There's, there's a couple times where he says stuff about like this line of work as if it's a career. <laughs> yeah, like, no, as if you're dude, not a nut job. <laughs> this is not normal, bro. I I agree. I think it's most of the emotional depth in the story comes from him questioning his role in signing up this kid for this stuff that's really where you know even even jason exploring his like familial history and trying to figure out that stuff whether it's the art or the story itself doesn't really impact me as much as batman being like man what the fuck did i do Uh you know and, and while it it seems probably partially because of just the writing and the time and stuff it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's as deep as it could go, but they revisit it multiple times. So it's like, yeah, he's struggling with the fact that that he had a buddy, no more buddy, needs a buddy again, 
maybe I jumped into this and maybe I signed this dude up for some stuff that he wasn't ready for. I don't think you could throw it all at the feet at the time, though, because, again, this is after year one, after Dark Knight Returns, after Watchmen. And I haven't read that stuff. And that's and that stuff's all really good, and it's heavy, and it's it's also a little dated in terms of delivery, but in a lot of ways it's not dated. It's It holds up really well. I think it's less, less about the time specifically and more about the time and that this was a very mainstream comic which is, had to get on to its next, whatever the next arc was and next conflict was, and was also leading up to a big fan phone-in. It's, it's the situation of it, too, not just the time period, because you could tell heavy stories and not have it be kind of hobbled, as, as it slightly is. Hmm. Wait, is this post-Watchmen? Let me look it up for it. I sound like a fucking asshole. Man. You want to see something terrible? 1980, 1986, 1987. Look, look, at, look at this. <laughs> Did you draw that? Just now. <laughs> That's really good. He, uh, if I'm seeing his body right, have you ever seen that that uh, illustration that Rob Liefeld did of Captain America? I, I don't know it by name. Uh, I'll send you the So Rob Liefeld is a 90s guy, and he's one of the, I think it's the four guys, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, and somebody else. And I could be fucking that up, but it was like illustrators who in the 90s started their own imprints. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. Rob Liefeld was one, but he's a guy who gets shit on a lot. I like his work, but like, it's extremely 90s. Like, the women have hard, hard wasp waists. Yeah. Just incredibly ridiculous proportions. The dudes also have ridiculous proportions. But it's this drawing of Captain America, and it's like the profile like that, and it's, his torso is so gigantic. And then somebody took it and drew it really well of him without clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's hilarious. But the way your Batman's chest looks reminds me of that. It goes down well, I was sort of thinking of like an angle, but yeah, I've, I've never actually tried to draw him before. I recognize him. That's, a, that's the first. Here you go, Ev. Check in your... Dude, that's fucking dope, bro. Uh, you, uh, when this whole virus thing is done, is that what you're going to sell at the uh, booth? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Another thing on what Ev was saying about bringing him into this whole world, part of it is once you open the door... You know, he's on this chase halfway around the world to find his origins. Whether or not he's Robin, you sort of can't put the genie back in the bottle, as they say. You know, it's like he's just exposed this kid to a whole world of shit that he would have never thought of and given him carte blanche to just take on the world as he sees fit at this point. And skills as well. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I think... So much of that is just being a teenager and seeing what you can get away with and how far you can push and that plus all this extra shit that comes with their world. You know, even if you take the costume off the kid, you can't undo it, you know. So I, I think whether or not this was the way it played out, you could still have the same conclusion in a multitude of ways the story is told because i mean this kid was just exposed to too much too soon in such a vulnerable time in his life yeah and that's something i don't know if in the way they've dealt with this story with the different universe revisions because i know this the main elements stay the same yeah. joker kills him with a crowbar but i don't know like they might have changed some of that stuff to make it less of a what well, i would co love to coincidental story i would love to do our next episode uh watching under the red hood because yeah. that one starts where this one 
leaves off and and, so and it is reimagined because you have Ra's al Ghul and a couple other factors there. So I think that'd be a really fun one to do next. Uh, ratings. What do we got for the uh, the final rating? It's a three for me. The story didn't connect hugely, but I did like it. Uh, the art is fantastic. I, I really dug the art. I think it's a four for me because it felt kind of this, it was like a global adventure story. What I expected was Robin dying. And what I got was... First page, Robin dies. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah I, I thought it was going to be like one chapter. Fuck. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I thought there was being like a couple splash pages. Or a, you're in the second issue and you're going like, isn't he going to die yet? What the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, they were talking about politics and I was like, bored, bored, bored. <laughs> and so I got more than that. I appreciate the insight into the Bat universe that I didn't have previously sorry you go i'll come back to it that's gonna sound like i'm just cutting you off but i i would give it a three yeah we do cut you off a lot actually that's fine i'm pretty polite and you guys are pretty rude yeah it's part of the humor of the show <laughs> yeah it's fun rudeness it's fun for me it's fun for me i'm like <laughs> we're real bottom <laughs> glutton for punishment I was like talking to a couple people about like my least favorite things about this this being able to see you guys of this friendship. I just I just love taking it from you guys all the time and never saying anything at all. Um, Is I like being able to see you guys, but but I always conversationally want to. I'm not in competition with anybody, even if we have differing opinions. I appreciate sharing stuff with other people and having normal, polite conversations. Even if you're not on the same page, you know, you share point, I share point, counterpoint. Everybody talks and listens. And I generally avoid phone calls because I don't get to see people and it's impersonal and I don't know when to say stuff. It's harder to gauge when I'm supposed to interrupt you. Yeah. And so when we do the, so like when we, yeah, exactly. Like, how do I know when Ben's going to hop on my shit? How short, how short do I need to talk (laughs) because these other guys are going to get on it. And so when we're doing the last ones, it's like, make sure that you give everybody enough time to not overlap each other, but not so much time that they talk when you don't talk. Cause I'm like, this yeah. is fucking, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I actually think this works pretty well because as we're <laughs> like, if I have a thought while you're going, I might notice that Ben is going and like, just took a breath. Like he's about to say something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I'll let him go. And then I'll go, you know, yeah. it is helpful. Yeah. But yeah, I give it, I give it a three and I think it's, Obviously, a landmark storyline that is built upon to this day is still significant. I think it is, again, dated, but pretty well told. And just a really, it gets points for just being unique. You know, it's it's something that I couldn't really compare to any other Batman story. And uh, I I like it for that reason. You know, it's not my favorite era of art style like particularly with the color but again it's got some great detail and a lot of the 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 classic designs that we grew up on maybe the robin doesn't work but you know batman's suit is great 
Joker works great. The three mother characters that he goes after, you know, uh, they're all well done. I mean, I, I have no real, real gripes. The more I think about it, it's just not the style I would go to out the gate. And so I lose a little for that. But I, I think it's a solid three, at least. Without this story, we would not have the glass case in the Batcave with the hanging Robin costume. Yeah. Which has been a been part of so many Batman stories, either heavily with Batman looking or somebody else looking and commenting on it or just something in the background. And that's a huge thing. That plus that, that constant visual reminder of this story. That plus Tim Drake and, and everything, that's essentially two major characters that wouldn't exist without this book. So congrats to all you voters who phoned in. <laughs> You're and the, I, the phone. I honestly, I, I appreciate the the brutality of the imagery and stuff because despite the fact that they're like globe trotting and doing all this stuff and while it is there a basketball like scene some old-timey comic and it's bright colors and could have whittled down to some like harebrained satellite scheme or something crazy like it came down to joker if you skip the bomb explosion to super do everybody in because you need double deaths. It comes down to Joker beating down this character with a piece of metal. And that is pretty gnarly. It could have easily happened in Gotham city. It happened to happen in another country and it's very fitting and very intense. Shout out to Mike Mignola for those covers. Those covers are awesome. Oh my gosh. Dude. Like I was thinking about it, flipping through this stuff how much I liked those in particular, the last two, the third one is Jason Todd kind of beat up. Yes. Yo, like, God. And it, it, what's what's yeah. cool is that it stuff looks like it's in motion. You know, it doesn't look like a still shot and it doesn't have blurred effects, but it looks as if uh, something is happening. He's, you know, turning his head like mid smack or something. And then the last one, being Joker and the uniform. Joker all dressed up. That's yeah. a great one. And I was thinking like how dope those images are. And then also the covers themselves. The 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 bat logo is at like kind of a three quarter angle. The script is all down the right side. I like that layout of yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah, the layout, everything everything is great. And then it got me thinking about how just the evolution of people's art and stuff. Like this is the Mike Minola who draws Hellboy and all this stuff. And that's where 30 It's neat years to see ago, how they had their hands yeah. in these seminal mainstream comic stories. Yeah, totally. Like, not only were you... Uh, because what people largely know you for now is these super successful independent creations. That doesn't show a lot of evolution, obviously. A couple of covers to a whole series. But you can see the similarities in the work or the thought that he was previously working on such a commercial title and then ended up where he ended up and how different his stuff is. I just think it's super dope to see where if you read like consecutive novels from an author, then you could be like, Oh yeah, I can see how they're how how their style developed. Yeah. But you can definitely see it in drawings or in any art form. That's super cool to see the similarities, but how much less black there is. And if I reimagined those titles as he 
or those covers as he draws currently, how much different they may look. And that's super cool to me. I also think the way that they're set up, I mean, you talked about the format, the layout of everything on those covers. It's all good. It definitely tells you this is a big event, too. You know, It's not like yeah, this yeah. is another issue. It's like, yo, these are all black funeral colors. You know, like it's, yeah. it's some, something is happening here. It makes, it makes it stand out when you see it on the stand. You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know about you, but I used to get them. I mean, I'd go to the, the comic shop sometimes down here it was new age comics they had trading cards and comics and everything but also i'd pick them up at the grocery store you just see them on the end cap you know and like that's one that would stand out on the end cap for sure well when i've talked in the past about how i feel so dicked by what <laughs> I, I, I i feel so like dicked by by comics that that have different illustrators than Oh, then the covers. The cover yeah. draws you in. Yeah, exactly. Because I know that I know that alternate covers are such a are a thing now, but in the past I think that they previously were. And so I used to go to Albertsons with my mom and my mom would go shopping and she would leave me alone in like the magazine section or there was a comic book stand and yep. I would read comic books while my mom shopped and that was pretty much my introduction to like Joe Mad and Uncanny X-Men, and all mm -hmm. these, like, 1990s comic books, because mom left me alone, and I just got to do my shit. But that was the, the whole draw was what I was seeing on the covers, you know? You're like, <gasps> you know, and, then, and that that's what makes you die. die, die. That's, I didn't want to read Archie. I didn't care about all this, I, you know? Because like Archie was this, honest. You knew what yeah. you were getting from the cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I don't well, need any more. And I remember back then seeing, like, the Jim Lee, like holographic X Men cover anniversary oh, edition shit, and like I'm buying this one. Holy shit! I mean, they when they had like a a big event going, you knew about it. Is this Spider Man hundredth issue, which had like a holographic white armor Spider Man cover or something like that? Yeah. Well, and it was also kind of cool because I don't like I don't know how that stuff worked in the past, but it's possible that we were, you know, buying comics at the grocery store for $2 that later were of value. You know, oh, yeah. like they weren't, it, 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 we weren't at a comic book store. We weren't buying collectibles or something like that. I suppose that's how people felt in the past too. But I, I was just soaking up, you know, art that I thought was dope. Um, it's, you know. Some of that from that era, the late 80s, and I think the early 90s is the beginning of when the comics industry took a big crash. Because like collectible cards and trading cards, they leaned into that. Where yeah. instead of it being like a special thing that people collected because it was special, they started trying to make things for people to collect. Hmm. And it just, they completely outstripped what people actually wanted. Hmm. It all kind of tanked. You talk about cards, man. That was my oh. shit. I had like binders and binders, not just like baseball cards and, and stuff like that, but like all the X-Men cards and on the back it would have like the characters' powers, you know, the, and their strength and their agility and their endurance and all this shit. And like, I remember we'd sit down and we'd compare like who could, fu who could fucking win in a fight and like go through all this shit. Like, 
I had like some of the the movie ones, you know, Batman, Ninja Turtles, whatever, Dick Tracy. Uh, but like the fun ones are when you could actually like look at their their powers and and try yeah. to like fucking yeah. create your own stories based on their abilities Wolverine's and stuff. Power isn't very high, but his fighting ability is off the charts. Wow. Yeah, 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 dude. dude. Like that shit was uh, so fun. And all that stuff is uh, what people appreciate about video games now is like leveling up their characters and like all their stats and armor and and all this stuff like that's that i feel like got us started back in the day on cards and stuff sure. was this whole like you know like oh graphs and comparisons <laughs> yeah. and uh like oh well now you know now i'm comparing like psylocke to phoenix and uh you know like you know morph to beast and stuff and all these different things so actually uh, when you put it that way that is the nerdiest shit we ever did in our lives was sit yes, there man. Sit it's there and read. To the inner autist and in all of us that we can reduce everything <laughs> down to numbers and little bar graphs. Yeah. Also, if I if that was still a thing and people are still collecting that stuff, I would for sure dump money into more. At the very least, like the art was super dope. Yeah, but, you know because if you want you can send me money and I will just make I'll make <laughs> you some line graphs. <laughs> will you draw me pictures? Yeah, they were not going to be good, but they'll fit the graph. I accept. <laughs> that definitely played into the whole collecting of stuff, pouring money into things, the chance of it. But you were also getting, when you bought these series, you there was a lot of excitement, especially because of the chance of what you potentially may get in these things, you know, holographs, yeah. special cards. Because you were also... You can find the art for all these online and just print them on nice photo. <laughs> Shut the fuck <laughs> up, man! I know you didn't think about that, but you could do that now. You could just get them all. Cool. I still have some of them. Oh, I have a bunch. And you were getting exclusive artwork with all the stuff. And that's what I thought was cool. You, could, you couldn't find that stuff anywhere, even if it was pulling artwork from any of the other series. Um, one of the other things, last thing I was going to say was that I appreciated that in the narrative, while a lot of the dialogue seemed pretty innocent and kind of funny at times, their verbiage was also pretty well worded. I appreciated the fact that they weren't dumbing down the dialogue for the audience. If anything, they were like giving them words to look up because there was there was multiple things that somebody said that I was like, well, I better look that shit up because I don't know what you're... They weren't, they weren't writing it for stupid people. They were trying to be, you know, it's comic books. It's a, it's largely a visual format or an art form, but also we're not trying to write stuff stupid, you know, so it's, it's made for children or something. We're actually using words that are challenging. I mean, it's also just written like a fifties detective story or something. So they're just saying weird shit. That nowadays, you're like, what the fuck does that even... Gunsoul. That's the word I'd never heard. Yeah. There's a couple words. I was like, man. On top of Zool, I had to look up Zool. (laughs) All right. That is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are going to continue this storyline on our next episode with the animated film Under the Red Hood. We're going to see what happens to Jason Todd down the line. Now, as always, you can support by just taking a screenshot, put that in your stories, let people know that you were listening. You can tag us at BatFanAddict, 
and go to that page you will see what i'm calling quarantine con as i'm ordering way too much shit on the internet i got an autograph picture from kevin conroy the voice of batman i got an original art commission from enrico marini i've got hot toys jack nicholson i've been going in so stop by the page and take a look and stay tuned